0: we are limited, we are, human. We are
1: holy. oftentimes we've been told certain things and there's a point where we have to begin to define ourselves for who we are you know in this in the sight of this loving God who we are in in um, in, in our brokenness and our woundedness, but somehow say, you know, you've been telling me this lie for so many years, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you that I am somebody completely different.
0: This episode is for anyone who has experienced hurt in the church, whether it be spiritual abuse, being told that your voice doesn't matter or isn't to be listened to, The voice you just heard was Carol Howard Merritt and her book, Healing Spiritual Wounds, Reconnecting with a Loving God After Experiencing a Hurtful Church, I found to be so helpful. And in our conversation, we talked about how to reimagine a relationship with God, with ourselves, and with other people after experiencing the kind of wounding that is really disabling. You're going to love this conversation. I did. I found a new friend in Carol. She's engaging, warm, funny, and really, really poignant in the way that uh, she lives out her own life and in the way that she encourages others to live out theirs. So enjoy this conversation and then go out and grab her book, Healing Spiritual Wounds Reconnecting with a Loving God After Experiencing a Hurtful Church. Well, I'm so excited to be here with Carol Howard Merritt. Hi, Carol. So so glad to have you on.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Well, gosh, I've been reading your book, and um, when this you know this time was getting closer, um, I started thinking about all the different things that are happening in a, in our world right now regarding just sexual harassment, Harvey Weinstein, President Trump, me too. And it just feels so right, like that we're going to be having this conversation now, especially as it relates to spiritual authority and spiritual abuse and stuff like that. So, um, I feel like this is really relevant right now. Um, so Carol, you're a pastor, author, professor, uh, before we dive in, tell us a little bit about your, just your current context.
1: Well, I am living in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is just a beautiful place, gorgeous rolling mountains and, um, live right near the river, which is just lovely. And, uh, let's see, I, I have all kinds of hats. Like you said, I, um, I teach adjunct at a couple of different seminaries and I, um, I write books and I, do a lot of consulting work. I work with the Center for Progressive Renewal with churches kind of who are trying to decide what to
0: do when they grow up and <laughs>
1: <laughs> so um, so yeah life is full and very good.
0: That's awesome. And you also you convene a conference I think it's called unco it's sort of the unconference for churches yeah.
1: Yes, that's it. It, it. It's so funny. It's like something that started um, when Twitter was magical, like <laughs> we had the early days of Twitter when everybody was fun and nice, yes. and nobody ever said mean things ever. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, but but there were a group of us on Twitter, and I think all of these. You know, I hate to tell this story too much because conferences are very much my bread and butter. Yeah. But we were kind of getting overloaded with um, conferences, with these big names. And for a little while it felt like the conference machine was kind of huge. Yeah. And um, and so there were these like, I felt we kind of felt bombarded with these conferences. And, and so we were talking on Twitter and we we're like, hey, you know, actually, the best thing about conferences is when um, we go to the bar afterwards yes, or yes. we like hang out and, and drink coffee together. And why don't we have a conference? That's all about that. You know, yeah. <laughs> So those conversations that you have with your, your colleagues and your peers. So that's what we did. We didn't have a big name. We didn't have any big speakers. And, and, um, and, and now it's been going for like eight years <laughs> and there's, you know, all different locations and, um, and so nobody expected it or i certainly didn't expect it to turn into a a, a like real thing
0: <laughs> I love it though because you're totally right. We have a uh, we have a thing in our denomination called Midwinter. It happens yeah. in the middle of winter in January, and there are sessions and things like that. But most of all, it's it's like camp for pastors. That's what we call yeah. it because we stay up late and go out at night, and it's just a real great time to connect and um, and have conversations about the kinds of things that you just don't talk about, um, you know, over email uh, around the rest of the Year. So right. I love it, man. I love that. I love that. Um, so, okay. So this book, uh, that I've been reading here, he- your book, healing, spiritual wounds, reconnecting with a loving God after experiencing a hurtful church, uh, great title. Uh, and you, you started off with a story about your abusive home, um, growing up in a home with a father who was abusive. And I just want to ask you, Carol, like how did that shape you? And especially your view of God,
1: well, you know, I, I didn't want to start with that story, but kind of the editors, I kept starting with you. other stuff <laughs> and they were like, yeah, that's not the story. Yeah. That's not the story. So, uh, so I ended up starting, you know, just diving right in. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really, um, sort of. The, the crucial point of um, my life. I mean, I, I remember I was walking with a, a friend in a museum and and she was sort of agnostic slash atheist, you know, and, and she was asking me why I became a minister and um, kind of for the first time, you know, I wasn't being asked by an ordination committee or, or a search committee at church, and so I, I could be really honest with her. And I pointed to that story, and um, basically I told her that I became a minister because, you know, I grew up in this really violent home, and, um, and oftentimes church— and, uh, you know, in, in the, the teachings of the church would uphold that violence yeah. because it was a conservative, um, church and, and they really believe that, you know, my father was the head of the household. And if there was violence, it was probably because we were doing something wrong. Oh, man. And, um, so I told her this story and she was like, well, Carol, you just told me why you should never be a right. pastor. <laughs> right, right. And then I realized, like, there was this other part of the story, this like shadow side of the story, um, and that was that the thing that got me through was my connection with God, was praying and um, and you know, seeking peace and seeking wholeness, there wasn't really much else I could turn to, but I could certainly turn to God during those times. So I became really aware that day of this, this sort of intersection of how religion can hurt us and religious can also heal us
0: yeah i mean you talk about the church being a safe place and a dangerous place say more about that because i think that's what you were teeing up right there
1: yeah i mean you know you're a pastor i'm a pastor we've all heard these stories that just make our bones shudder Yeah, yeah and um and you know certainly Church is a human place. And so we bring all this baggage with us and and um, these difficulties with us. And, uh, and I think because we're sort of in this space where we're opening this very vulnerable part of ourselves up where, you know, we are believing things that don't seem very rational to believe and we're opening our souls up it makes this community very very tender and yeah. very vulnerable and so when um when difficulties occur also we we sort of have this utopian idea right mm-hmm. like we should mm-hmm. all like treat each <laughs> other you know wonderfully and, and, so and we when sort of these...
0: overpromise, don't we? I mean, like, yeah. our, especially ministers, like, come, be a part of our beautiful community where everybody accepts each other as they are, not as they should be, <laughs> you know? It's like, right, and then you right. get burned. Meanwhile,
1: like, people are mumbling about, you know, the kids' shoes that are kind of shabby, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to, like, hide that. Right. Like, <laughs> pretend it's not happening. <laughs> right. So, so, yeah, we just, we just have these, um, these terrible things that happen to, to one another. And because we're so vulnerable in these spaces, I think it hurts even more, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, this intersection of need and desire Mm -hmm. and for God and for community and, and the, the, just the human response so often, uh, is, um, lacks uh, the genuine qualities that we're really, really searching for. I think that's one of the hardest things about about being a pastor of a community um, because so often the very things you want for your community, <laughs> it's just not there because they're human beings and it's led by a human being, the chief yeah. human being. <laughs> well, you um, you wrote about an experience you had with God sitting in your bedroom that felt intimate and transcendent. Could you could you tell that story? I don't want you to, you know, give away your whole book, but I just found that so beautiful.
1: Oh, it's it's just the first chapter. It's yeah. free. You, everybody can download it. good. okay. 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 <laughs> yeah, I will literally give it away. <laughs> it is
0: actually being given away as yeah. we as we speak.
1: Right. right, right. No, it it was this moment where I was um I was listening to my parents fight in the other room. And, um, and I began to really quickly try to think of some sort of exit plan and I was pretty young. And so I, I started like stashing away cash as early as possible thinking, okay, well I'll be able to stay with some friends. I'll be able to have enough money to sort of, you know, um, uh, not my, make myself such a nuisance. And I had several like older adult friends who would I knew would take me in. So I had this like master plan of how I was going to escape, but I knew I couldn't quite do it then. And so I was like walking back and forth and back and forth, pacing my room. And it just felt like this labyrinth, you know, Hmm. because I I just didn't feel like there was any way out of this situation. And so I was praying, I was praying for my mom, I was praying for my dad, I was praying for myself, and um, just thinking about, uh, you know, just that, that feeling all that turmoil when people that you love are fighting one another. And I didn't know if the violence was starting. I began to hear dishes being thrown. And and um, so I sat down and I just started breathing really deeply. And um, just tried to be open, you know, and and as, as I was praying and just something hit like a presence was there. And, um, it felt like, you know, those of you who have given birth, it felt like when the epidural hit the spinal cord, you know, all of a sudden this tension and and this anxiety and this frustration and this fear was at peace. Hmm. And, um, And you know, it, it just felt cerulean blue, Mm -hmm. just overtook me. And it's hard to explain these experiences because, uh, you know, it was such a palpable experience, but if you took a video camera and, 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 uh, videotaped it, there wasn't anything that actually happened. except that my life changed at that point. I knew somehow that I was going to be okay. Hmm. I knew somehow that I would find a way out of it. I knew somehow, you know, there, there, there was this just overwhelming sense of peace that took over. And, um, that was the moment, like that was the moment where I went, yeah, there there's something healing about this connection with God, even amongst the pain, even amongst violence, even amongst um, difficulties. There's something very healing about that, and I I just want I want to be careful with that story because I I don't want to um, because I I was a child and so I did end up staying in. Uh, the home, and I don't want that story to to be used in any way, shape or form, um, to say, oh, well, you should just stay in the midst of a violent situation right, right. anything like that. But in my situation, um, it wasn't as if, oh, you know, I knew things were going to be okay because Jesus was with me. It was that sense of realizing that I was going to have the strength to leave when I needed to. I was going to have the courage to be able to get out as soon as I could. And so it, it was more that strength and that sort of courage.
0: Yeah, well, that it, it, that's what it sounds like. And it's uh, it's interesting that you use the metaphor of giving birth, um, because as you were talking my sense of, of what you experienced really was like you were being loomed. You know, you were you were being um, uh, nourished, protected, given a place, a safe place to grow and be during this chaotic time. Um, is that overstating it?
1: No, not at all. I like that verb, being loomed. Did you just use that as a verb? Yeah, yeah, well, cool, uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: So um, the Hebrew, and you probably know this, the Hebrew word for compassion is "raham." It's used over and over again, um, but it's, it's very closely associated with the word for womb. So um, me and my peeps, my posse um, here in Minnesota, we do, we do use uh, the word womb as a verb. Um, in order to describe the kind of place that we that God creates for us, and that sometimes we can create for each other, um, it's nourishing. It's um, it's safe. It's healing, um, and it's for a time when you need it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. I know. Um, as I was writing this book, the the metaphor of being born again. Yeah just came up over and over again for me. And um, and it, it seemed just so funny that here was this um, this metaphor that was used when I was growing up in a very, very patriarchal <laughs> yes. sort of you know conservative um, Baptist, kind of the mean kind of Baptist. They used born again all the time.
0: Yeah. And
1: all of a sudden I was like, Hey, I think I'm gonna reclaim that because because yes. <laughs> it's it's really kind of beautiful when you think about it.
0: Oh, it really is, and I love that you did that. I love. I think reclaiming language is some of the best work that we can do as writers and 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 preachers and lecturers, um, because they the this these these words born again, the gospel, evangelical. They're Mm -hmm. all so fraught with so much weight, you know, (laughs) they're carrying so many, many layers of baggage. And so, you know, when we can, when we can reclaim uh, phrases like that, it's so powerful. And you did that so well in your book. Um, So I love the metaphor. Um, I love it. I love it. Of birth. So.
1: Scares people, though, when you use it without context, you know, (laughs) I got nervous. <laughs> well,
0: totally, totally. And I don't know. I'm kind of okay with that.
1: Um,
0: I don't love getting blowback, but you know, you've definitely gotten some. Um, and I kind of hate that. Um, on the other hand, eh.
1: <laughs> I want to keep
0: I want to keep I want to keep pressing that bar and that button. So, um and you do it really well carol you do it really well and beautifully you're such a good writer um so and i'm gonna p.s you mentioned the free chapter i'm gonna put the link to both purchasing your book but also downloading that first chapter on the show notes for this episode so listeners get into that yeah get into that um so i want to ask you carol how would you define spiritual or religious abuse and what makes it so harmful
1: well, you know, I was trying to um, make lists and and figure out what what was going on because, you know, when when we get a wound on our arm or you know to our skin or to our physical body, we can pretty much point to it and say, oh, yeah, this is this is what's going on. Um, when we get a wound in our psyche, uh, when when we have some mental illness or, um, some PTSD wound, we're, we're learning more and more about how we work, you know, uh, and so we can really point to it, but this was something different that was happening. I, I was going to a therapist and he was a, um, he was, uh, an agnostic, um, man and he, as I, as I was working with him, I, he couldn't understand what I was talking about and what was going on. And I eventually had to, to change therapist to, um, uh, a a woman who, um, who was a Christian. But, but I knew then at this point, at that point that there was something happening that was, um, there was this soul wound that was going on that he could, couldn't put his finger on. So I began exploring that more deeply. And like I said, um, you know, as pastors, we meet people all the time who are going through these things. So I was listing things, you know, how do people get wounded? They get wounded um, with their image of God, thinking of God as an angry or violent or um, uh, judgmental God. A lot of us grew up thinking that God would create these creatures from the dust of the earth, God would blow life into them, and then just destroy most of them.
0: You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then we just take that, sure, you know, that's who God yeah. is. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: <laughs> Of course, like, I wouldn't even wanna, like, destroy half my paintings or, you <laughs> no, know um but the thought that god would want to destroy god's children you know we're we're okay with that so we grew a lot of us grew up with that idea yeah so there's this um there's this wounding that happens with our our relationship with god there's a wounding that happens with our relationship with ourselves um so uh i I am a Calvinist and um, we're, we're known a lot for the idea of total depravity, mm-hmm. which I can sort of um, defend that idea, you know, in, in some ways because, uh, or at least the way I understand it, it's not degree, but it's um, uh, totality in the sense of not that we're 100% depraved. It's just, you know, there's something shady about us all. We've got a little bit of shadow side. You know? And again, Twitter.
0: I mean that, you know, <laughs> yeah. just, just look at Twitter, <laughs> yeah. Facebook comments, YouTube comments. It's, it's
1: yeah. there. It's, it's, there. there. <laughs> it's there. So, yeah, it's, but, um, uh, so, but, you know, there are senses that we sing, you know, amazing grace, our, our, our nation's probably most famous sermon would be Sinners in the Hands of Angry God by Jonathan Edwards. I mean, there's this idea that we deserve destruction and and many of us internalize that. So there are kind of these this difficulty with ourselves and then there's also difficulties with loving our neighbors. And um pretty much you can Kind of you know, pretty much look at politics right now and see where that's going yeah. wrong, Oof. yeah <laughs> but this sense of we're not doing justice and loving mercy, um, and and so it it seemed to me like, um, you know, it's very, very basic, very, very bottom line, very primary stuff that we are loving God, loving neighbor, loving ourselves and when that breaks down when when there is some sort of difficulty that occurs in those three things that's typically when some sort of spiritual wound occurs yeah some <laughs> broken relationships basically yeah mm-hmm. on
0: those levels self mm-hmm. god neighbor world maybe creation yeah um, yeah and i you know i i think to i mean i've 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 been in the church my whole life, pastor for, you know, 20 some years. And there's a, there's a, I've seen spiritual abuse happen like when the system is messed up, right? And the people that are, Mm -hmm. that are in leadership have been involved in the system for so long that they either can't see it or don't want to see it or, you know, try to cover it up. And then someone brings something up. Someone says, Hey, there's a problem here. Right. I mean, and then, I've seen the the leadership say, "No, you're the problem," right? And then mm-hmm. they get sort of cast out. And I think um, when that happens, and I'm thinking about a particular group of people that that happened to relatively recently in the history, um, in my history, uh, mm-hmm. it, it it really shakes your view of yourself mm-hmm. and God and church, and it's really really damaging. Um, can you, I mean, and you, you share so many beautiful stories in your book Can you speak to that, like when you try to, um, be the person that speaks about what actually is, and then you get labeled the problem.
1: Oh yeah. That happens a lot, doesn't yeah.
0: it? Oh my gosh. And yeah.
1: I mean, I've been with communities who have been, um, you know, very, very, uh, forward thinking sort of communities who are very concerned with, um, social justice and, and it happens there too. I mean, you know,
0: uh, yeah, just, totally.
1: And, and you know, I, I've, it's, it's fascinating to watch it happen. And I think what goes on is in, as pastors, we know this, um, what, what goes on is that you have a complaint and then you realize like, if this is true, then um, then this could really hurt our community. Yeah. Like this, this thing we're pumping up, this thing we're talking about, this thing we're hoping and dreaming and wishing for could really be hurt. And so you begin to become defensive of this community that you really love
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, so the way to do that is to discredit the person. So, and, and, and so you might say, ah, oh, well, you know, or, I, I think you probably misunderstood or you didn't quite get it right. Or you start gaslighting them in some way, you yeah. know, and, um, and, and then you can, you know, the person can go away and you can feel better yeah. or, or you can do it, you know, in a mean spirited way. And that's, that's happened to me, certainly, um, uh, just kind of recently, I began to talk about the, about the connection between complementarianism, which is this idea that men and women are made differently. And, um, in, in a marriage, the man should always be the tiebreaker. Um, so I began to talk a little bit about, um uh, complementarianism and how that can, that can lead to abuse. And, um, it was really fascinating to watch how people just sort of came out of the woodwork to, to pretty, pretty much berate, um, me and, and some of the other women who were talking about it. And you could really see those defensive mechanisms Mm -hmm. at hand, you know, instead of like, most normal clear thinking humans we would say hey wait we're teaching something that's hurting people maybe we should rethink this yeah. instead there was a a real defensiveness of the system and of the people who teach it and um it got really ugly yeah. um and and so those those things happen um and hopefully Um, even the people who are ugly, you know, you know, that they'll stay ugly or, or sometimes they change. I've, I've also seen that happen as well. So God knows I've changed. Well,
0: and thank God that, you know, sometimes (laughs) through tough grace, we, we end up changing our mind on things. I mean, it actually happens, you know, it's so good. Um, but but I thank you for bringing up that particular example, because I think when our belief system is threatened for real, like by someone that's actually making sense, um, the amygdala tends to kick in and we fight or run and we don't know what to do with it. And um, but that's a really tender place to be. When you're just trying to have a conversation that that is trying to move toward healing and protecting people, and then boom, you you're the one that gets that gets nailed. Um, I, I, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's it's ugly. I mean, it's really ugly. And we could have a whole different conversation about the social media ethics and, and all that stuff. So, but we won't, oh, yeah. cause it's, oh, <laughs> um, I, I would love for you to talk a bit about, cause you sort of outline a journey from, uh, moving from pain to spiritual rebirth, to being, to being born again. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and how that works in your book?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's, the book started out as a memoir and, um, and I my my editor was frustrated with it. So I I called, um, upon Lauren Winner Yeah, and she's, you know, written just beautiful memoirs and she's excellent at it So I was like, Lauren, help, will you please? So she, um, she just kind of took over the manuscript and she's like, I don't know why this needs to be a memoir. So, so, um, so we took it apart and, and, and she said, well, what do you do when you teach this, when you go to workshops and you teach this? And so, um, so at first it was kind of chronological and then I made it into, um, she said, well, why don't you organize the book? around the healing, um, the healing aspects of it. So, so that is hopefully what I did. And then, you know, kind of went from healing your relationship with God, healing your relationship with yourself and, um, healing your relationship with one another. So that's that's sort of it went um, less chronological, and now it kind of hops all around. But but hopefully there's there's a bit of an arc, a narrative in there. Um, basically, I'm focusing on when I went to Moody Bible Institute. So I went from this pretty violent home. And um, went to Moody Bible Institute and thinking that, oh, this will be great. It'll Mm. be like, um, (laughs) you know, I I had never, most people or a lot of people who go to Moody like were homeschooled or they went to Christian school. And I had never experienced um, homeschool or Christian school or anything like that. I went to public school. So I thought, oh, you know, it'll be All Christians, all the time. It'll be fantastic, and then I realized, oh wow, this is this is really hard. You know, (laughs) this is really difficult. So I was branded pretty quickly. Um, uh, You know, I was a feminist, and and um, uh, branded pretty quickly as a feminazi and Mm. and, um, as a troublemaker. And uh, so, so I I explore that a lot. Like what what that was like and and um and what i learned through that experience wow. did i get to your question at all in that answer no you did that I mean, rambling this, answer
0: no okay. no you told i mean what i what i heard <laughs> it wasn't rambling. it was good um healing the relationship with god self and the other and i do think there is i mean of course from my perspective you know who knows what happens first but i do think healing our picture of the divine you know if that doesn't happen i i i don't know if anything else can happen you know i mean if i if i carry a vindictive angry uh picture of god with me i I don't think the picture of myself is going to get healed and i don't think the picture of the other is going to get healed because i'm always going to try to be you know working for it and so um i actually kind of like that that order of it and um even the the chronology of that um i think it makes a lot of sense
1: I think AA's got it right. Oh, yeah. You know, that whole idea of um the higher power. You know, I, I write a lot about like struggling with people and in that. Yeah. How do we get to a higher power that we could trust ourselves with um handing ourselves over to this higher power? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And uh, many of the many of us grew up with a God we don't trust.
0: Yeah. yeah. And sad, isn't it? It is sad and probably grew up with a god that we should eventually reject, you know, that, yeah. that, that we should say no that actually is not the you know, the god of the universe that that it, so anyway. Um and and I yeah. also believe, I mean there's like our understanding of god hopefully will continue to evolve, continue to progress, continue to change even though I don't think god changes but but our view of god will always change um or should um if we're actually growing so i like that i like that picture well i want to ask you another question because in uh uh, the chapter on reclaiming our broken selves you talk about finding a new metaphor for our own image which i thought was Mm -hmm. such a fascinating idea can you talk more about that
1: yeah i mean there's um kind of cognitive behavioral therapy that that you see and you can see this a lot with, um, the civil rights movement in the United States. You know, you have this idea of black power, you know, when, the, when the world has told you constantly that you're not worth anything, that you're, um, you know, you shouldn't be paid as much. You shouldn't be educated as well. You know, people said, you know what? I, I believe in black power, you know, or I believe that black lives matter. And there is this sort of grasping of, um, you know, you've been telling me this story all of my life, but I'm gonna tell you something else. And I'm gonna tell you that black lives matter, even though um, you may have tortured us in history, even though you may be shooting our children and our little boys without any consequence, we're gonna tell you on the streets black lives matter. So there is this, this reframing and this, this grasping of, of something beautiful. And, um, and I realized, you know, as, as I was going through uh, this story, and talking about the pain of suffering abuse, I needed to switch from this idea of victimhood to this idea of, I'm a survivor, you know, I got through this and, and I was able to make it. And so many of us in our lives, whether we have been told things by religious leaders, whether we have just kind of soaked them up in our, in our lives or in our communities, oftentimes we've been told certain things and there's a point where we have to begin to define ourselves for who we are,
0: yeah. you
1: know, in this in the sight of this loving God. Who we are in um in in our brokenness and our woundedness, but somehow say, you know, you've been telling me this lie for so many years, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you that I am somebody completely different. And um for me that that was, uh, a very pivotal move moment. I, I, um, I was, uh, in a church. It was, it was a wonderful church in a, in a lot of ways, but there were, um, there were a couple of people who were real critical and, and, um, then I had a miscarriage and, Mm -hmm. and so it was a, a very difficult time in my life and my career. And, um, I just remember I went to, uh, (laughs) I went to the Bay in in Narragansett Bay and in Rhode Island, that's where I lived. And, and I began to see these like stone fences and stone, um, uh, monuments that were put together. They have lots of beautiful stone fences in New England. And I remember at one point, I just started like stacking stones, one on top of each other, and just feeling that crack of stone on stone and feeling the strength of it, feeling the strength of my body, feeling the strength of these amazing pieces of, of rock that have weathered generation after generation and realizing I'm going to be a rock. I'm going to be that stone that, you know, I can be battered. I can be torn. I can be worn. But I'm going to be standing there at the end of the day and you're not going to get rid of me. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, I just, um, that was my moment where I just needed to reclaim my metaphor, uh, from being a victim to being a survivor.
0: I love that. I love that picture. I could see it as you were saying it, stacking you stacking those st- those rocks, those stones slapping on each other. I mean, that was wow. Uh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So beautiful. Um, so good. Um, maybe last question, because uh, um, we're running out of time. Holy mama, this this conversation <laughs> went quick. Carol. Um, if someone's listening and they're resonating, yes, I I want to make the, I I I would like to acknowledge the pain that I've experienced, and I would like to move toward this um this new metaphor. I I, I just honestly don't know where to start. Um, and I'm not asking for a formula. God help us, uh, <laughs> right? But just. Like if you're sitting with someone over coffee and they're saying, "What man, where do I start? What do you say to people?
1: I think um, for me, one of the most powerful things was to actually understand that God is for me, Um, that God is for us, uh, that no matter what happens in your world, God is moving and um, creating and hoping and wishing for us. You know, so many times I've been taught to look at the world and um, if something bad happens, I think, I, I used to think, you know, God was punishing me. And just that little change in focus and idea That God is this loving force, this emanating, beautiful, loving force that wants me to be healthy and whole and happy and have an abundant life. And, um, just being able to, to look at the world through that different lens, um, it was extremely powerful for me. It was extremely helpful for me, and um, yeah. So you may not even be able to say the word God. You may not even be able to understand, um, uh, you know, this loving force in that way. But if you can believe that um, the the spirit that surrounds you is for you and wants you to be a loving, caring human and have an abundant life, that can make all the difference.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, uh, Carol Howard Merritt, Healing Spiritual Wounds, Reconnecting with a Loving God After Experiencing a Hurtful Church. Uh, Please, gang, buy this book, especially if you've had any kind of relationship with a church that uh, includes wounding, or neglect, or um, any of the, any of those things. I'm going to put the link to buying her book on my show notes. Also, I will put the link to downloading that first chapter for free. Uh, in addition to connecting with Carol on her website and on Twitter, uh, as long as you're not a troll, <laughs> people then don't connect with Carol via Twitter. Um, anything else? Any any other ways that we can connect with you, Carol? That you would point people toward?
1: No, I mean I'm always on, usually so uh, pretty easily accessible. But thank you so much for having me and uh, for this conversation, Steve. It's it's been a delight.
0: Wow. Well it's been a delight for me too. Thank you so much, Carol. And I end the podcast with this little mantra that we came up with. Um, And we just say, uh, we're human and holy. We are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless, and we're in it together. So I feel that way about you, my new friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow me on Facebook at Steve Ween's Author, Twitter at Steve Ween's, and Instagram at Steve Ween's. And you can find all my work, all my books, show notes, all kinds of other fun stuff on my website, SteveWeens.com. And please consider supporting me on Patreon. Lots of fun benefits for all levels of patrons. Check it out at patreon.com slash this good word. In your suburban